G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Temptation is universal and we're all affected. So why do we fall to temptation? Pastor Greg Laurie says we often set ourselves up for the fall. See, here's the thing that happens to us. We get out of God's will We go to the wrong places, we hang out with the wrong people, and then we're surprised when we do the wrong thing. That's why you want to hang around godly people and godly places and do godly things. Because the best defense is a good offense. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. have told their car insurance companies some absolute doozies like coming home I drove into the wrong house and I collided with a tree that I don't have or my car was legally parked and it backed into another vehicle or as I approached an intersection a sign suddenly appeared in a place where no stop sign had ever appeared before that's kind of similar to the way we try and rationalize our sin before God today on a new beginning Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to understand temptation Now here's what we're going to look at in the verses before us here in Luke 4. We're going to look at six things about temptation. Number one, we're going to look at where temptation comes from. Where temptation comes from. Number two, we're going to look at when temptation comes. When temptation comes. Number three, how does temptation come? How does temptation come? Number four, who does temptation come to? Who does it come to? Five, where is the best place to be when it comes? And lastly, number six, what is the primary weapon we should use to resist it? How's that sound? Okay, you ready? Okay, let's read Luke 4, and we're going to read verses 1 to 13. Now Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If, and by the way, this could be translated since, so it wasn't a question of if Jesus was the Son of God. Satan was effectively affirming it. It could be translated since. Since you are the Son of God, says the devil, why don't you command the stone to become bread? Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, underline that phrase, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all of this will be yours. Jesus answered and said, 
Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, underline that phrase again, you shall worship the Lord God, in him only shall you serve. Then Satan brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, notice the devil's quote in scripture now, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in your hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Okay, so let's deal with issue number one. Where does temptation come from? Where does it come from? Well, we play a key role in our own temptation. Satan needs our cooperation in this area. Where there is no desire on our part, there is no temptation. Okay, when does temptation generally come? After times of great blessing. Often after times of great blessing, and this surprises us. A lot of people don't even go to church on Sunday. But you guys, you take time out to come here and open God's Word, and, and you know, that's a wonderful thing. Or maybe you go to a great conference or retreat or you have a great time of worship and, and you're saying this is so fantastic and it shocks you when you walk out of church and you don't even have to get outside of church. Guess what? Satan can tempt us in church. And you're, you know, maybe you're even in worship. Oh Lord, you're so glorious. You're so wonderful. And suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, but like a flaming missile from hell, this wicked, strange, crazy thought comes to you, just right there. You're going, Whoa, I can't believe I'm thinking this. Well, first of all, you didn't necessarily come up with that. I mean, maybe you're twisted and you did. I don't know. But, <laughs> but really, seriously, sometimes you weren't thinking about anything like that. You literally were thinking of the glory of God. You literally were taking in the Word of God. And this thing just came out of nowhere. You know what I'm talking about? And now you're feeling bad because you had this thought. I, oh, can anyone see this thing? It's like just right there. Is it? So embarrassed. Okay, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to apologize. Now, if you process it and make it your own, you do. But you could just say, this is from the devil. Get out of here. Forget this. I resist this. I rebuke this. And turn away from it. But it will often come after times of great blessing. Point number four, how does temptation come? In most cases, it comes to the doorway of our mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, I'm afraid as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your minds. When those flaming arrows of ungodly thoughts come, we need to have our guard up because 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Listen to this. We capture these rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. No. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be filled with worry right now. Worry, take a hike. No. I'm going to pray instead. No. I'm not going to give in to fear right now. I'm going to trust in what God says in His Word. No. I'm not going to give in to lust right now. I reject that thought. No. I'm not going to give in to bitterness right now. I'm going to forgive that person. No. You draw the line right there. Right here in the mind. <laughs> Command central. And you say, get behind me, Satan. I've told you that story before. That woman that liked to buy clothes. Imagine such a thing. And... Um, her husband was a real cheapskate too. 
So she said, honey, I'm going down to the mall. I'm going to just, you know, window shop. He says, no, you're not. Because every time you go window shopping, you buy something. Just don't go. She goes, I won't buy anything, honey. I promise. Now, now come on. You know our budget. It's tight this month. Please don't buy. I will not buy anything. I'm just going to browse. <laughs> so she went out on the mall and came back two hours later with a new dress. He says, I, I told you not to buy anything. She said, dear, you don't know what happened. What do you mean, whatever? Okay, okay, here's what happened. I'm walking by this store. They had this cute outfit in the window. And I was interested. I did walk in. But I had no intention of buying it. And, and the salesperson said, here, try it on. I still wasn't going to buy it. And I put it on. And honey, the devil himself appeared in the dressing room. <laughs> the devil appeared. He, what did he say? She said, the devil said to me, you look good in that outfit. The husband said, that's crazy. You should have said, get behind me, Satan. She said, I did. And then he said, hey, it looks good from the back, too. So, <laughs> what else could I do but buy it? <laughs> Number five, where's the best place to be when temptation comes? Where's the best place to be? Answer, in the will of God. In the will of God. Where was Jesus at this point? He was in the will of God. How do we know that? Well, Jesus was always in the will of God, actually. He said, in John 8, 29, I always do what pleases the Father. Man, I could never say that, could you? What an amazing thing to say that. I always do what pleases the Father. But you know what Jesus did? But remember, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was in God's will. See, here's the thing that happens to us. We get out of God's will we go to the wrong places. We hang out with the wrong people. And then we're surprised when we do the wrong thing. So if you're hanging around ungodly people in ungodly places, being tempted to do ungodly things, don't be surprised when you give in to it. That's why you want to hang around godly people and godly places and do godly things. Because the best defense is a good offense. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And today he's helping us to learn from the way that Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Some good insights to help us to resist our temptations. Glad you've joined us. Let's continue. Now notice what the devil says to him. Here's the first of three temptations. Look at verse 3. If you are the Son of God, or since you're the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. Here's what the devil's saying. Hey, Jesus... I've been standing around the corner here. Notice that baptism. Heard what your father said. This is my beloved son in whom I will please. Okay. If you are who you say you are, prove it. Turn a stone, turn a rock into a loaf of bread. Now, why would that be tempted? Well, if you hadn't eaten for 40 days, you'd be hungry too. I already told you about how hard it is for me to resist fresh bread. Jesus could have created fresh bread. Jesus could have materialized anything he wanted to eat at the moment, but he did not do that. And so Jesus responds by saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And he's showing us how to face temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. What Jesus was showing us when tempted, keep your priorities in order, stand your ground, and use the Word of God. You know, the devil comes to us with the same temptation today. Really, the bait in the first temptation was designed to hit him physically. 
It was effectively saying, put your physical needs above your spiritual needs. The devil still does that with us today. Say, go ahead and enjoy this sin. You know, it'll be fun. You know, play now, pay later. You have needs. Enjoy the moment. Come on, it'll be great. But by saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth, he's saying you gotta keep your life in the proper balance. There's nothing wrong with eating to live, but you don't want to live to eat. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but you don't want stuff to have you. There's nothing wrong with having relationships, but you don't want a relationship with another person to become more important than your relationship with God. Right? When I was first going out with my wife-to-be, Kathy, uh, we were very young. And she says, I said something to her, uh, maybe our first or second time out. She says, Greg, you turned to me and said, if you ever get in the way of my relationship with God, you're out of here. I said, I said that? She said, yes, you did. I said, man, I was such a romantic, wasn't I? What a great thing to say to a girl. She says, actually, it was a really great thing to say to me. I said, why? She says, well, I was kind of used to manipulating guys and getting them to do what I wanted them to do. And I thought, wow, here's a guy that loves God so much, he's gonna just say it right up front, and he loves God even more than he loves me. That's the guy I wanna be with. So I thought, okay, so there's a great line, single people. <laughs> Keep it in mind. <laughs> See some nice go, hey, how's it going? Hey, if you get in the way of my relationship with God, you're out of here. I don't even know you yet. Yeah, well, maybe I should use that line later. I'm not sure. I get confused. So really he's putting the physical above the spiritual. Now this second temptation is really interesting. The bait in this second temptation was to avoid the cross, which was the objective of Jesus. Why did Jesus come to planet Earth? To give us the greatest teachings that have ever been given? That's not the primary reason. To do mighty miracles and change people's lives, as wonderful as that was, that was not the primary reason. To provide for us a great example of a, someone who loved God. Well, yeah, he was that and much more, of course. Actually, the real reason, the primary reason Jesus came to this earth was to die for the sin of the planet. That's his main objective. So all these other things, as wonderful as they were, were really secondary to the main goal of going to the cross and dying because there was no other way to satisfy the righteous demands of God. So here's what the devil says. Look at verse five of Luke four. Then the devil taking him to a high mountain shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all of this authority is mine and I can give it to you and their glory for it's been delivered to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. The devil's saying, this is my stuff and I can give it to you if I want to. Note, Jesus did not refute the statement of Satan. And you wanna know why he didn't refute it? Because it was true. Because Satan is the God of this world. The Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air, you see. He's the one that is effectively pulling a lot of strings right now on planet Earth. Now ultimately he's overruled by God who is sovereign and in control, but the devil has a certain leeway on this planet and he's saying, Jesus, I know why you're here. 
I know you've come to die on a cross. I get it. And I'm telling you what. I'm going to make you an offer you cannot refuse. I'll give it to you on a silver platter. All you have to do is just worship me. See, that's all the devil's ever wanted. The top job. But Jesus refuses the devil. Look at verse 6. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I want you to notice something. The devil didn't say, serve me. He said, worship me. He said, if you worship before me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Why did Jesus add that? Answer. Because Jesus understood that a moment of worship can lead to a lifetime of service. What does that mean? A moment of worship at the altar of sex can lead to a lifetime of regret. A moment of worship at the altar of drugs. And by the way, I'm so against the legalization of marijuana. That's a current trend. So against it. But you, you know, you just start there. Hey man, I'm going to smoke the one joint. I'm going to do this one time. I'm going to look at the porn site one time. I'm going to have this one little itty bitty affair. I'm going to have the whatever, however you rationalize it, one act of worship, if you will, turning away from God and bowing at this altar can lead to a lifetime of regret. Say, no, say, just a little bite. You know, I, I was in a Target the other day and I bought some animal crackers. Now, you know what animal crackers are? They're actually cookies. And I don't know what it is. I love animal crackers. <laughs> I don't like them with frosting. I like them natural. And it, the thing is, there's something about them because they're subtly sweet. I'll eat one, I'll just eat another. And because they're smaller, I'll eat like, you know, a hundred. And, <laughs> and so I got this giant thing in the shape of a bear. Big bear. So it's really big in the middle because he's a fat bear. And I bought a big giant thing. It was a good deal at Target. <laughs> of animal crackers for the grandkids. I thought I'll give them. The, and the grandkids came over and I'd give them a few. Here's three little animal crackers. There you go. Put them in a little plastic bag. Enjoy them. And then I would sit down in front of the TV and I'd grab a few crackers. <laughs> Big handful. Put them on thing. Eat them one at a time. Go back again. Before I knew it, that thing was like three quarters gone. And the grandkids didn't eat them. And Papa had gained a few pounds. And so I got rid of them. Because I couldn't resist him. It's just those little bites that get you started. That's Pastor Greg Laurie with some very practical insight today on how temptation affects us so strongly. And tomorrow, Pastor Greg has some more insight on resisting temptation and standing against our spiritual adversary. So I hope you can join us same time tomorrow on A New Beginning. Now for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called, Why Does God Allow Temptation in the Life of the Believer? Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.